I've been honestly enjoying our series on the topic of holiness. If you missed one of our messages, would you please go to the website and listen to them online? Because they build one on the other. So far, we've said when the Bible speaks of holiness, it speaks about a unique relationship that God initiated. It's a unique relationship that God initiated with his people. He established it, and he desires to have this unique relationship. Holiness is about being set apart exclusively for God. That's what holiness is. It's about being set apart for God and for his purposes. Last week, as I said, we learned that holiness is about relationship. I am his and he's mine. Leviticus 26, 12, the word says, I will be your God and you will be my people. Last week, we also learned that holiness is about what Jesus has done for us through his death on the cross. Colossians 1.21 says, Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior, but now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight without blemish and free from accusation. We also learned that holiness is about being useful to the master and ready for every good work. 2 Timothy 2.21 says, Therefore, if anyone cleanses themselves from the latter, he will be a vessel for honorable use, set apart as holy, useful to the master, and ready for every good work. When we talk about holiness, so many times when a pastor speaks about that, my initial thing is to go to you. You know how there's kind of defaults that we go to? The default is to go to you, I'm just telling you the truth, as a pastor, or to go to me and see those areas where you need to do a little better in. Do you know what I'm saying? But I don't want to do that. Because see, no matter how good you do, without God, it don't matter, it don't count, it don't work. Holiness is about the Lord. You don't go to Him and make Him holy. You don't impact His holiness. His holiness impacts you. Okay, you can't add anything to who he is and you can't take away. You may determine in your heart that you want to take away something from God. You can't take away anything. He doesn't let you take away. You can't take away anything from him. I want us to focus so much. I want us to to be upon the Lord because holiness is really about what he does in us. Yes, in the future, we're going to talk about some of our actions and some of our behaviors, but If that becomes our focus, I get concerned when that becomes our focus because, see, God is the one who's working in our lives, okay? And there again, my natural tendency is to talk. My natural thing is when we talk about holiness is to start looking and say, well, what can I do, Lord, to become holy? And there again, there's parts that we contribute, but holiness is a work of the Lord. He's working inside of us. Listen to this. In Leviticus 19, The Lord spoke to Moses saying, speak to all the congregation of the people of Israel and say to them, you shall be holy for I, the Lord, your God am holy. That's from the English standard version. You shall be holy for I, the Lord, your God am holy. If I could paraphrase that, I would simplify that by saying you shall be 
for I am. He said, I am. You shall be holy for I am holy. Now, a lot of times when I hear that, you got to be holy because I'm holy. But may I suggest to you that you're going to be holy because the Lord is holy and because of the work that he's doing in your life and how he's changing you and sanctifying you and flowing through you. He's transforming you. As I've said before, when we speak of holiness, many times people become overwhelmed. That's kind of common. When we talk about holiness, people become overwhelmed. And a lot of people have grown up, I've been around a situation where they say, holiness is for somebody else. Pastor, do you know where I came from? Pastor, do you know where I grew up? Pastor, do you know the things that I struggle with? If you really knew me, you would not speak of me as being holy. Don't feel strange because sometimes you feel that way. And we need to get the word of God into us and hear what God says about us. Not just what your mind says or, or what people would say about you. Because there's a lot of people who will describe someone as holy, but if they really knew the person inside, we may identify certain people as being, oh, well, they're holy. And then we're oftentimes very disappointed when we find out that they're very far from being set apart for God. The prophet Isaiah, when he saw the Lord high and lifted up, He had a very natural response to cry out, Woe is me, for I am undone. I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips. Whenever you come into the presence of God, it's a natural thing that when you come into the presence of a holy God and recognize his holiness, somehow we're immediately made aware of our sinfulness. When Isaiah said that, he said, woe is me, I'm undone from, I'm a man of unclean lips and I live among a people of unclean lips. He says, if you think I'm bad, you should see my neighbors. They're bad too. It's not just me, Lord. No, he wasn't making excuses. He recognized his sinfulness. A lot of times whenever we come into the presence of God, a lot of times people will be aware of their neighbor's sinfulness. Right response is to be made aware of our own sinfulness. But notice what the Lord did. He sent an angel and a seraph took a coal from the altar and touched his lips and said, your guilt is taken away and your sin is atoned for. Immediately after that, Isaiah says in Isaiah chapter 6, verse 8, he says, Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I go and who will go for us? And I said, Here am I, send me. Holiness propels people into service. I'm going to write that one down because I really think that's a good one. Holiness propels you into God's work, it propels you into service. Today, we have something much more powerful than a hot coal from the altar. We have the blood of Jesus Christ, the pure spotless lamb that was shed upon the cross. And according to the word, it cleanses us from all unrighteousness. The blood of Jesus has been sprinkled on the mercy seat today. And he stands at the right hand of the Father as our advocate. The Bible says that we have been justified freely. We've been justified freely by his blood. I want you to think about it. When you come into that encounter with the Lord and you realize that you have been cleansed 
and you realize that you are clean, what is it that a new convert wants to do? They want to do something for God. There's something in it when a person is cleansed, when a person is delivered, when a person is made right before God, there is something inside of them that burns inside of them that wants to do something for God. God said, whom shall I send and who will go? And Isaiah says, here am I, Lord. Send me, I'll go. Lord, let me go. Let me be the one who goes for you. What an incredible thing. When we're walking in holiness and we understand that we've been set apart, somehow we're not content to sit on a shelf somewhere. When we understand that we've been set apart for God's purposes and we have been created and designed for his glory and for him alone, we want to be useful to the master. You see a new convert, and I'm telling you, I'm sure the Bradneys could tell us about the years in missions work where you'd see a new person getting saved, people getting saved. And what do they do? They want to go out and start churches. They want to go out and minister to their neighbors. They want to go out and do other things. One of the challenges, as I said, if we don't see ourselves as holy, if we don't understand what God has said about us, then we feel unworthy to do a work for him. We feel like we've been disqualified Surely there's somebody else who's more qualified than me, God. Surely there's someone else who you could use in a greater way. How come it is that you'll see people, the moment they get saved, they want to go and tell everybody. The moment that they get saved, they want to go out and start working for the Lord. But then after a little while in the day-to-day life, sometimes they feel, well, maybe I missed it. Maybe God didn't really ask me to do that. Maybe I don't have to do that for him. Can I suggest it to you that we've gotten our focus? I know how clean I felt. I know how clean I felt. I know something was different in my life. I'm sure I'm speaking to some people. You had an encounter with God and there was a drastic change in your life. You knew that you were new. You knew that you were different. You knew that God did that. And yet now today the enemy comes and brings accusations against you. And he says, well, you've not really changed. You're not really different. You've fallen short in this way. You've messed up in that way. But I want you to notice that holiness is going to propel you into God's service. The second thing, Philippians chapter 2, if, if you want to turn there, Philippians chapter 2, verse 12 says, Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always debased, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence. Listen to what he says. Continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. I like this part. It says, since you've obeyed me, you keep working out your salvation with fear and trembling. You work it out. And then notice what he says in the next verse. For it's God, you work it out. But then he says, for it is God who works in you to will and act according to his good purpose. Holiness alters our will and our action. Holiness changes or alters our will and action. Paul tells them to continue to work out their salvation with fear and trembling. There's a part of this where we're to be serious, we're to be diligent, we're to be watchful. We are to work it out. Why? Because God is working in you to will and act according to his good purpose. So God's at work inside of me, affecting both my will, my desires, and my action or my behavior. I want you to get that. God is at work inside of each of us. 
affecting our desires and our behaviors. I do not come to God by faith and have the blood of Jesus applied to my sins, receive his mercy and forgiveness, and then continue to live according to my own will or my own desires. God is working inside of us, changing us from glory to glory. Second Corinthians chapter 3 verse 16 says, But when anyone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Now the Lord is, we sang this song, Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we who with unveiled faces all reflect the Lord's glory. Listen to what it says. This is what the word of God says about you. I don't care what your mom says. I don't care what your neighbor says. I don't care what your wife or husband say when they're mad at you. I'm telling you, this is what the word of God says. It says, we are being transformed into his likeness with ever increasing glory, which comes from the Lord who is the spirit. The word of God says that we are being transformed into his likeness with ever increasing glory. We sing a song that says we go from glory to glory to glory. God is at work. When you enter into a relationship with God, when you present yourself before him, he makes a commitment that I'm going to work in your life and I'm going to change you from glory to glory to glory to glory. Ever-increasing glory, the word says. Salvation was wonderful. That was a glorious day. And sometimes for a lot of us, the day we got saved was a glorious day. It was a wonderful day. It was a transformational day. We don't want to limit that. But God says, according to his word, we're going to go from glory to glory. We're going to be transformed, that he's transforming us with ever-increasing glory. God is working in your heart. He's working in your will. He's working in your behavior. There's another portion of scriptures. And the third point I want to point out is that holiness involves a change of heart. God changes a man or he changes a woman's heart. Holiness involves a change of heart. Ezekiel chapter 36 verse 22. This is the word of the Lord to the people of God. Therefore say to the house of Israel. This is what the sovereign Lord says. It's not for your sake. I want to stop there for a minute. Therefore say to the house of Israel, this is what the Lord says. It's not for your sake. Can I tell you sometimes there's things that God does that really don't have anything to do with you? It's not because you earned it. It's not because you deserved it. It's not because you finally measured up. It's not because you finally got your stuff together. I hear a lot of people say, I got to get my stuff together. I got to get my stuff together. This was the word of the Lord through the prophet to the people of Israel. He says, it's not for your sake. It's not really because of you even. That's hard to believe. Because most of the time we think the world revolves around us. Don't you? God spoke to Israel. He said, it's not for your sake. It's not because of you. You didn't finally get enough together. You didn't finally fall in line good enough. It's not for your sake. It's not even to make you happy. 
It's not even because just to be good to you. It's not for your sake, people of Israel, that I'm going to do these things. Notice the next phrase. But for the sake of my holy name. Oh, man. It's not for you. For your comfort. Was it because you finally got everything? But for the sake of my holy name, notice what he says. Which you have profaned among the nations where you have gone. What's it mean that they profaned his name? They brought reproach upon his name. I thought he would do it for me for my sake because I make him look good. No. For the sake of my name, which you have profaned among the nations where you have gone. God says, I will show the holiness of what kind of name? Of my great name, of my great name, which has been profaned among the nations. The name you profaned among them. Then the nations will know that I am the Lord, declares the sovereign Lord. When I show myself holy through you. Before their eyes. I want to read that to you one more time. Then the nations will know that I am the Lord, declares the sovereign Lord. When I show myself holy through you before their eyes. I want you to remind you one more time what God said to Ezekiel. He was doing it for the sake of his name. It wasn't for their sake. It wasn't because of all the good that they had done. It was for the sake of his name, which they had profaned, which they had brought reproach upon. God said, I'm going to show myself to be set apart, to be holy through you. What was God going to do? How was God going to do that? What was he going to do to show his name to be holy? What was he going to do? To bring glory to his name. What was he going to do to show that he truly is God. That he truly is set apart. He says I will take you out of the nations. I will gather you from all the countries. And bring you back into your land. Talks about restoration. I will sprinkle clean water on you. And you will be clean. I will cleanse you. From all your impurities and from all your idols. And listen to the next verse. And I'll give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and to be careful to keep my laws. Am I talking to anybody in this place? Who's been given a new heart? Is there anybody in this room who you know beyond a shadow of a doubt that God did that for you? He took your heart of stone and he gave you a heart of flesh. God says, I'll take that heart of stone. I'll do this for you. Not for your sake. Not because you finally got your junk together. But for the sake of my name, which you profaned. I'll bring you back. I'll restore you. And I'll give you a new heart and put a new spirit inside of you. And I'll put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and to be careful to keep my laws. I'm speaking to people who you know that God has changed your heart. 
He's changed your desires. He's made you sensitive to things that before you would not be sensitive to. He's made you aware of things. You know, there's certain times when you hear certain things, it offends your senses. Before it was just normal. It was every day. It was natural. You were a part of that. Now it's different. There's things that you're sensitive to. There's things that you care about now. You have desires to do things for God, to help other people, to serve other people. Why is that? Because God has given you another heart. I'm going to prove it to you. Even those of you who struggle with a besetting sin. Some of you struggle with a besetting sin. Maybe it's your temper. You fill in the blank. The devil wants to say to you, See, you've not really changed. You go to church, want to act like you're all holy. You haven't changed. Let me ask you, when you did those things before, did it bother you? (laughs) No, you didn't even give it a second thought. When you did those things before, when you acted that way before, whenever you lived that way before, it was not even on your radar. You were like, you didn't even think anything about it. But now that God has changed your heart, there's a battle that goes on inside. Your spirit that's been transformed by God's glory. Your flesh, this body that we live in, this sinful nature that we attach to. This old man that wants to come back to life. That battle, that struggle that you have shows me that God has fulfilled his promise and he's given you a new heart. It's not the reason. Now, for many people, as I said, that's the enemy's attack on them. No, no, you haven't really changed. You haven't really changed. You haven't really changed. There's nothing different about you. Yes, there is. That very battle shows that God has changed your heart. He's done something inside of you. He's changing you from glory to glory. I want to read verse 27. God says, I'll put my spirit in you and I'll move you to follow my decrees and to be careful to keep my laws. Verse 28, here's the promise. He says, then you'll live in the land I gave your ancestors and you will be my people. What is that? It's relationship. It's holiness. You've been set apart from me. You'll be my people. And I'll be your God. And I will save you from all your uncleanness. I will call for the grain and make it plentiful and not bring famine upon you. I will increase the fruit of the trees and the crops of the field. So you will no longer suffer disgrace among the nations because of famine. Then you will remember your evil ways and wicked deeds. And you will loathe yourselves for your sins and detestable practices. I want you to know that I'm not doing this for your sake. I'm not doing this for your sake, declares the Lord. He tells him, be ashamed and disgraced for your conduct, O house of Israel. According to this portion of scripture, God promises blessing and prosperity to those who walk in holiness. Why is he doing it? For the sake of his name. Why is he doing it? He's doing it for the sake of his name. That his name would be glorified. That he would be shown to be holy through you. That when people see you and they look at you and they're like, well, that was Sherry. I knew Sherry. That was Andy. I knew Andy. That was Harriet. I knew Harriet. That's not the same Harriet I used to know. Something's changed in them. Something's different in them. Friends, you and I have been set apart 
for God's purposes. And it's so much about him. I want you to picture the coolest, most innovative heart surgeon that you could imagine. I mean, they can do all kinds of stuff. The coolest doctor on earth, can they operate on themselves? No, no, they can't. They can't operate on themselves. As hard as you might try, as hard as you might try, you may want to change your heart. You may want to do a heart transplant. But in your own efforts, you go ahead and keep trying. Okay? It's good to try. It's good to try. Can I tell you what you're going to find? When you try on your own efforts or your own abilities, it's good to do that. It's great. You're going to continually fall short. You're not going to be able to change your own heart. What you can do, though, is you can present yourself before the surgeon, the one who gives transplants. You do have the ability to say no. You may recognize that your heart needs to be adjusted. You may recognize that some things need to change, that there are some defects there, and may be brought to your attention. You can say, no, I don't want to do anything about it. Or you can go and talk to them about it and get the consult, then say, not show up for the appointment. You can resist Come up on the table and if they're about ready to do it, you can say like, nah, 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 nah. I don't think, nah. They're not going to hold you down and operate on you. They're not going to force you whenever you say no. So if you don't present yourself before them, if you don't submit yourself to them, you can try on your own, but you can't change your own heart. But I'll tell you what you can do. You can present yourself before the one who does heart transplants. You can give him permission. You can give him consent. You realize that for people to operate on you, they have to be given consent. Someone has to give consent for that. And for God to work in your life and for him to change your heart, there has to be this willingness to give consent to him. Lord, I offer myself to you. Lord, I recognize that you're calling me to be holy. I recognize that what I need. Can I tell you what I need? I need a lot of times. I have to continually get heart transplants. I have to say, God, I have to come back to him. The old hymn says, our heart is prone to wander. What a true statement. Any of you ever wish this? You wish you could have got saved and then died. Do you know what I'm saying? God, take me. I'm ready right now. As a teenager, that was my life. God, if you want to kill me, great at the altar. Just hold on. I'll get right. Because you know when I go back outside there, it's going to be a struggle for this old boy. I'm just going to be honest. Am I talking to anybody with that one? Is there anybody else? You might kind of know how I felt. It was like, God, I, I want to serve you. But if you're, you know, you're going to have to take me pretty soon. Because if you give me a couple days, I know I'm going to screw this up again. I know I am. I'm That's just what I do. I just seem to be good at that. Friends, when we present ourselves to the Lord, the crazy thing is, is over the years, when I look back, He has changed my heart. He has made me different. And sometimes I get overwhelmed because I see how far I I look at His holiness and I see how far I got to go. I see how far, but He's declared us holy and righteous in His sight. We heard that we're without accusation. We're free from accusation because of what Jesus has done. On the one hand, I want to tell you to lay back and rest because you're in good hands. Jesus is doing a work in your life. He's changing you. He's changing you from glory 
glory to glory. With ever-increasing glory, he's transforming your life. Our place is, God, I just present myself before you. Lord, you know, on a daily basis, Lord, I yield myself to you. And I invite you, Lord, that you would change those things in my heart. Lord, whatever you see needs to be done. Lord, I invite you to do that work inside of me. Friend, he's giving new hearts. He's putting a new spirit inside of us. And he's using us for his honor and glory. Father, today, I thank you for the hope that I have. I have a hope because God's working in us. We have a hope because you've set us apart and you're not doing it for our sake, Lord, but for the sake of your holy name, which we profaned. The reproach that we brought upon your name. Lord, now you have determined that you're going to show your glory through us. That people would look and see how holy and glorious and magnificent our God is. That he takes hearts of stone and replaces them with hearts of flesh. That he causes us to long to do your will. You cause us to desire to walk in obedience to your word. And I thank you that you're doing that in the hearts of people today. I pray that as they leave here today, that they would leave with the assurance that God is doing something glorious in me. Thank you, Lord, that because you are holy, we're going to be holy too. We shall be holy. Lord, thank you. Thank you that it's something that you're doing in and through us, Father, we pray. In Jesus' name, we thank you for it. Amen.